0: Lot
1: TALK RADIO Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Dear listeners, on this crisp autumn morning, it is I, the KDOC, that's king of DC media, the WTP, William Thomas Powell, on your airwaves. Welcome to the Inside Acting Radio Show. Today, I welcome to the show, producer and actor John Bronson, and actor and writer Paul Sieber, who star in the Star Trek fan film, The Crossing. The film will begin principal photography in November and is in the midst of a Kickstarter campaign. You can find out more about The Crossing and other Star Trek fan films created by John's company, Farragut Films, at www.starshipfarragut.com. That's F-A-R-R-A-G-U-T. Yes, indeed. So let me go ahead and bring on John and Paul. Hey, guys. good morning. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having us. All
1: right. All right. Okay, so John, what should fans know about the cross?
0: Um, they should know that it is going to be our most significant, the most action adventure, the most and although I hate the word "epic," it's it is that. It is going to be, for all intents and purposes, a large feature film, and it reunites um, uh, Prescott, who's Paul's character, with the Farragut crew, and um, it's it's action packed. This is our Wrath of Khan <laughs> movie, so very very big.
1: Good. I know you're in the midst of the Kickstarter campaign, so uh, where are you fun, uh, your fundraising goals?
0: Our fundraiser goals, we're working to get 15,000 and we have almost 11 now with about 18 or 19 days left. Um, so we looking to push it and we've just executed our stretch goal of 18,000. Um, so we believe that we'll be successful in raising the initial 15, so we've expanded that goal and set other milestones. The more money we can bring in, obviously, the more we can add to the production in terms of value, other things that we can do. Um, as you can imagine, all this is very costly. So um, the 15000 was the baseline to make this film. So just on the bare minimum, this is what we need to make the film. Anything else, it will certainly add to the value and make it much better.
1: Hmm. Where is the film being shot?
0: The film is being um, shot at our studio in Kingsland, Georgia, which is about 35 miles north of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, we uh-huh. have a 10,000-square-foot building, and it's we've got all the sets laid out in the same configuration manner as they were on the Paramount lot. Our studio is about four and a half hours from Atlanta, but it's on the east coast tip just right where uh, Florida and um, Georgia meet. Right oh, off I right. 95.
1: Yeah, very, very convenient right off of 95 there. So, John, I wanted to know if you got a lot of input from any of the producers and set designers from the original Star Trek series.
0: Well, Mike Bednar, who runs our studio operations and manages the team of set builders, because we're doing Star Trek we had simply, we're just recreating what was already established. So, Matt um, Walter Matt Jeffries, um, who we just go by, Matt Jeffries, um, he was the designer, not only of the Starship exterior, you know, the Starship model that everyone refers to in Star Trek, and all ships are pretty much based on his template, the Enterprise, he also did all the interior sets of the ships. He did alien planets, he did the weapons, he did the iconic phaser. Everything is pretty much owed to this guy who created the look and feel of Star Trek. So we we went back to his blueprints and through various sources out in Hollywood, we were able to um, pull from what they used almost 50 years ago. So that's the design basis. We're being as true and accurate as what they did um, back then um, on all fronts, whether it be the sets, the props and the costumes. We are essentially trying to recreate 60s Trek, just like all the attention and detail that these reenactment actors, um, whether it be Civil War or or reenactment from the American Revolutionary War, the same effort is being spent on making the exact look and feel of 60s Trek.
1: Yeah, and speaking of 60s Trek, I know there is a whole uh, methodology to get in those, there's sliding doors to open I know they had a methodology back then. So what what uh, methodology do you guys use for your sliding doors? It, it is the
0: exact same thing. It's a it's a pull, it's a pulley rope system that you have um, a guy or two stationed outside the the door, so you don't really see it off on camera, and they they pull. They get a cue doors, and there's a guy that just pulls on the door or two, depending on what set of doors. Because they had one was a one door. And like the conference room and the transporter room, they have I think two sets of doors that open up. So um, for that system, it, it takes I think two people to orchestrate. But um, and, and some of those sets, because you walk to and from the set the way that it's 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 jury rigged so that it's offset so that you can you can do follow, you can you can set up camera shots that actually follow the actor as he would walk down the corridor and then turn into the transporter room. And it's one shot, and it's all seamless. You don't need to do any cutting. For those shots where the door's open, there's actually someone far off who's actually doing that. But it's all orchestrated by the simple cue of doors and um, some guy pulling the rope. It's the same technology. I was going to say, it's the same technology that they use in Next Generation and the subsequent um, Star Trek series.
1: Yeah, hmm, good. You haven't had any uh, close calls, have you, with uh, actors bumping into <laughs> doors or anything like that? <laughs>
0: yes, I mean there's always a film where someone, myself included, where you the cue is given, and you're walking, and you have to keep walking because it's it's that seamless transition where you're walking to the doors, and and They know they're they're smart. They've got sensors or what have you to open the door, and and sometimes when the guy may not have heard the cue. He may have been asleep. For whatever reason, he didn't pull the rope, and you run right into him. Um, and I think on the last film that we did, I actually walked, ran right into him and popped the doors off the track, and they had to spend some time. But, yeah, it, it's a common – it happens. <laughs> it happens and, on board the starships.
1: So I know uh, Paul Sieber wrote the script. So what are some of the themes that been explored in The Crossing*?
0: Paul Paul probably can you're on there, right? Let him
1: speak. Oh, he he didn't I didn't I, I don't know if you guys were on the the same line. There oh, okay. I, I, thought he was, he I thought he was I thought Paul
0: us. was joining I thought Paul okay. was joining this. Um what was your question? Yeah, again? It
1: didn't make it. Yeah, so the some of the themes that explored into the uh some of the, the, the themes in the movie that are explored.
0: Um, I would say that Self-sacrifice, um, the needs of the many, the kind of theme that the crew, the greater good of the crew is, is more important than any one person. Um, that theme is certainly hit hard. Um, we have um, love interest. There's a, a, not with the Carter character, but someone else pivotal to the series who's kind of reunited, and, and so there's some dramatic turmoil in terms of um, broken love, as it were. There's the. This is a very pivotal moment on certain fronts, and hence the name, the Crossing, because there's a lot of things that happen. That's after this film, it changes a lot of the dynamics of the series. So, it's it's got a lot of moving, touching, dramatic elements to it. But themes I think would be the the greater good of the the crew kind of thing, and loyalty and love. I think that those three aspects would play in would be the most prominent themes.
1: Okay. Okay. So talk a little bit about how fans can get involved in The Crossing.
0: Well, the first thing they can do, certainly, is by helping to support our Kickstarter campaign. Um, Without the money, we won't be able to make this film. And unlike other efforts, up to this point, we've been around for 10 years, the producers have been opening their wallets. And, And the producers, let me define that as, Regular Joes, like the rest of us, have day jobs and careers and homes and mortgages. We're not working necessarily in the entertainment industry. This is a creative outlet for us. So we've for the last 10 years, we have done this on our own dime. So now we need the support from fans and other people that like to support independent projects. So that's the number one thing that someone can help out with. The second one is even if you can't and on on that note, even if you can't give money, we would just encourage you to please just spread this Kickstarter campaign to anyone and everyone you know within your work your network because it's all about getting the word out. The wider the net, the more fish we get. So, um just helping to spread the word out even if and if you can give five, ten, fifteen, twenty on up. Whatever we'll take as much as we can, but you know, volume also applies on these type of campaigns. Um, the more volume we get it just adds up. So that that that's the first thing is helping us through the Kickstarter campaign. The second thing is because we're all volunteers, we have um Carly Bednar who handles our she's our director of casting and HR. She brings in people. She does the vetting process of all volunteers. Um you can contact her at H at um We have things on our website that are listed in terms of how volunteers can help. Anyone that can sew, um, I can use help on the wardrobe fund. I, I lead that in addition to playing the captain and other production management things. I do wardrobe. So all the costumes fall under, under my belt. I can use some help. And although I'm here in the Washington, D.C. Silver Spring area, um, we have other people that work remote from as far up north as upstate New York And down south, like in Atlanta and the Jacksonville area, we have people that work remote. And, oh, as you can imagine, a lot of shipments (laughs) to and from um, transferring fabrics and notions and such. We have people that show up to our studio in Kingsland, Georgia, which is near Jacksonville. They come up over the weekends, and they build those sets. Um, So volunteer would be the second thing. And the third thing I would say is is probably with social media in general, just helping to get the the, the collective work of our project. Um, those are probably the three areas that people can help us out.
1: Hmm. Okay, I'm going to throw a question out there about the original Star Trek. And, you know, I was actually watching the original Star Trek recently on Netflix, and I'd forgotten how literate and well done the show was. And I've been looking at some books about the... The background of the show, and the, what do you think was so great about the the cast? It seemed like the cast was very good. Just from an actor' perspective, yeah. I mean, what, it really, what, what really made it so good? It,
0: it was exceptionally done, William. William, and I'm glad you brought this up because there's something magical about this show. I mean, it's been around forever, and there's a big cult following and, and such, and there's been spinoffs. But I think I don't think that there's any shows quite like it in terms of the chemistry that existed between William Shatner, Len Nimoy and DeForest Force Kelly. It, it's it's very unique, it's very magical. Something was just perfect. The stars were in alignment as it were with those <laughs> so I think that forgive <laughs> the pun. I think that a lot of the um the chemistry of those the the acting or the um the stories as well. Gene Coon and Gene Roddenberry Gene Roddenberry who of course created Star Trek but there was a lot of good writing done by other people, especially Gene Kuhn who immediately recognized the dynamics of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and really played up on the trio. Before there would be some of that, but much to a much lesser degree. And he's responsible for a lot of the favorite episodes of Trek that I admire. Um, a lot of were in the Season 2 area with Gene Kuhn. Um, and he doesn't get as much credit as he probably should, I think. Because Gene, Gene had more of the buddy system with Kirk and Spock for a while. But it was Gene mm-hmm. Kuhn, I think, who really played on, more on bringing the three together and kind of shifting away from the buddy system and making it a little bit more ensemble-based. So I think that mm-hmm. in the writing was very good science fiction. They were not trying to do parodies or not parodies, but campy sci-fi stuff that at the time. I mean, this was serious take on trying to deal with social issues during with problems in the world and and history, and they tried to tie in NASA and and, and science fact and a lot of stuff. They tried to be very serious, and so nothing like that I don't think existed um, until then. So I think it was the chemistry of the actors, I think the stories um, and the approach to science fiction be an extension of what was already established. And with NASA and everything that was going on then with the space race, I think that all those the culmination of all those variables, I think, played in to why the the show is successful. But as you pointed out, the entertainment value of Trek compared to other shows back in the day, I mean, it still holds up. It still has this the per, um, entertainment Absolutely. value. You can watch these shows and, and you, you can get by some of the cheesy special effects of what they had or in terms of technology or they just didn't... There wasn't a whole lot of money th- thrown at Star Trek at the time, so... They were very limited on what they could do, but so getting past some of the special effects, sometimes the story in itself is, is so it holds up. You know, f- almost fifty years later, the show is still yeah. a great
1: one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I read that uh, Desi Lou Productions uh, was a Lucille Ball and uh, Desi Arnaz. Desi
0: Arnaz, that's right.
1: Yeah, they were. Yeah, they, was- they were producers, and they were losing money because it was only. What was it like one hundred ninety three thousand an episode like that? And it was like it's really tight production schedules, and they were kind of about a, the seat of their pants. I think the first two or three episodes, they just had to kind of put everything together, find themselves there, and just get used to the the budgets and the casting and the. I know they started out with Jeffrey Hunter. Hunter, they had him before they had. Uh, Kirk, yeah, William Shatner. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. they had things going things was kind of going haywire a little bit, but uh, it was very interesting. The backstory to the, that show is very interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, you bring
0: up Desi, um, Desilu. Um, Lucille Ball ran that company, and people may not always, people may not be aware of it, but we owe Star Trek due to um, Lucille Lucille Ball
1: oh <laughs> yeah who would have guessed
0: <laughs> sorry. To Lucille Ball if it wasn't for her there would not be Star Trek and and think as uh, as Herb Solo um, articulated in his book um, which was called um, Inside Star Trek he pointed out he was a producer at the time and responsible for all production back then within Desilu he managed both um, Mission Impossible and Star Trek he, he indicated that she didn't really know what that particular show was about. She thought Star Trek was basically um celebrities going on a cruise ship and then something about that effect and so thank God that she wasn't had she known more about it, she probably would have put a thumbs down to it because all the other studios at the time turned it down. So you know, luck I guess would have it. I mean, but we owe a lot to her in terms of Star Trek.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so we're getting down about two minutes left. Well, this is this is we're gonna go into a uh, some hypotheticals. It's kinda of fun and then at the very end there I have you put out all the information about how fans can get in contact with sure. you and and go from there. So these are some fun hypotheticals and let's see what we can do here. Let's have some fun, okay? So okay. um all right, so what would make the average person more productive? A tricorder or, uh, Apple iPhone? Oh,
0: that's a good one. Well, um... <laughs> you know, the tricorder could do, for the t- intents and purpose of the show, it could function for anything. It was a plot device, and if they needed something, the tricorder could do it. So, um, the way iPhones are now, I mean, you can do, you can, you can realistically do anything. Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say probably iPhone. <laughs>
1: okay, oh, yeah, iPhone. Okay, iPhone wins. Okay, so you play a character <laughs> called Captain Carter of the Starship Farragut. So how would Captain Carter of the Starship Farragut solve the Kobayashi Maru no-win scenario? Ah, uh, uh,
0: what? What's the question? How would he handle solve the it?
1: Kobayashi- yeah, the Kobayashi Maru, the scenario in, in Stars... Star the no-win game. scenario,
0: yes. You're asking yeah, yeah, how yeah. he would do it?
1: Yeah, how would he um, solve it? He probably wouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> he...
0: That's a very good question.
1: Um, <laughs> I, the I don't hour, think huh? he, he probably
0: wouldn't have passed it, um, for one. Um it is it's a no win case scenario. So um Kirk won it by cheating, so I don't I don't know how Carter would necessarily have handled that um particular test. Hmm. Okay, fair
1: enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Who would win at tri dimensional chess?
0: Oh Mark? well Kirk oh,
1: Star- oh, or Spark or Bobby Fisher. Spock, or who? Bobby
0: Fischer. Oh, Fisher, well, yes. mm, that's another good that's one. Good. That's a very good one. Um, I'm going to go with Bobby
1: Fischer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that would have been my pick, too. <laughs> All right. Okay, so now we're getting to Star Wars versus Star Trek. Who is wiser, you think, Ben Kenobi of Star Wars or Captain John Luke Picard?
0: Oh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard.
1: Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going
0: to have to... You you asked the Star Wars versus Star Trek question, so by default, oh, okay. my answers are probably going to be on Star Trek.
1: Star Trek. <laughs>
0: you know, we got yeah, that rivalry, you. that perceived rivalry, you know, um,
1: Star You're Wars versus
0: Star Trek.
1: <laughs> okay, in that vein, uh, could the Federation take down the Death Star.
0: Mm, I don't Actually, I think the Death Star <laughs> might, might, um, but it's, it's pretty big and bulky. and might not steer as fast or, or,
1: yeah, the whole <laughs> navigate
0: through and fight and, and go through some, um, you know, battle, uh, maneuvers. It might, the yeah, that's a, that's a good one too. <laughs> You're stumping really? me here. Um,
1: William. Yeah, you might have to uh, have to think about that one a little bit, Don. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
0: might, I might have to go with the Death Star. I'm with my hand pulled, being pulled behind my back. I might have to say Death Star.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. You have a, uh, uh, so Paul Sieber's character is Officer Prescott. He's a yes. security officer. Okay, so. Who would win the duel between Officer Prescott and an Imperial stormtrooper? mm
0: I'm gonna go with Prescott, and I'll tell you why because Prescott, right. who is um when Paul and I created this character he he was um Paul described him as kind of a marine and and I thought we talked about Patton and I said, but you know what he can he's got to be this by the book regulations, but he he needs to be like Patton, who was a bit eccentric and, and but a very, a very great military leader. And he really stood out. I said, you've got to have him like Tackleberry from the Police Academy, so lightly, um so wound up, so tight that he's ready to snap. So Paul, if he was fighting a stormtrooper, I'm, I'm going to put my money on him because he, um, because he's so wound up tight and he's kind of a former Marine type and very still has combat training. Paul is so wildly tight, he will find a way to beat this guy, even if it means pulling this guy's armor off and biting him on the leg um, or whatever. He will <laughs> he will win. He will find a way. Prescott um, doesn't do anything halfway.
1: Huh. Yeah, and on top of that, stormtroopers can't shoot with the darn, so that's the other thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay Alright So we're getting down to About four minutes left We got one more And then we'll get you To the wrap up So okay. let's see Which empire Do you think would, would you want to be The head of The Klingon Empire Or the Roman Empire Oh Well
0: I think the Roman Empire Would probably Are you not Roman Or Or do you say Romulan
1: <laughs> No no no, no. Uh, The Klingon The Klingon Empire Or the Romans
0: the Romans. I would go with the Romans because I think, it's a question, which one I want to be a part of.
1: Yeah, you would be like the head of, like the emperor. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna, you know, I like the Klingons and all, but the Romans would have better food and women, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: go, you know, food and <laughs> women. You
0: can't argue that.
1: So I'm gonna go with the Roman Empire. <laughs> you know, oh, think all women wow. are all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> John, that's a classic answer, man. That's I'm gonna frame that one. That was, <laughs> why women in song? Who could who can argue? <laughs> Hi I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we're about ready to wrap up here. We could go on all day, but we only have like 30 minutes. So it's about uh, three and a half minutes left. So in that time, uh, you could throw out there all your websites how people get a contact with you, uh, if they volunteer, what they would need to do, how they can get a part maybe. uh, I think you even have tours, right? You have, like, tours and all that and everything? Well,
0: the tours, tours, we we, we do. um, Okay, thank you, William. We do tours, but it's more on a case-by-case kind of basis. Um, We do have an open house event, which we spearheaded five or six years ago, and we've been doing it since we had our first building – um, down in Kingsland, Georgia, and um, that whole that whole area down there, we've been uh, every year. We open the doors and we allow the public to come in. We have the sets all lit up, all the blinking lights are flashing, and people can come in there in costume or just walk around in their normal, you know, everyday wear. They get their pictures taken. They get to sit in the captain's chair. They can climb up on the transporter pad. They they get to interact with the cast and crew of the show. They get the handhold props that we use in the series. They get to see the costumes. It's our way of giving back to the community and the gracious people of Kingsland, Georgia, who have welcomed us into their their neighborhood. Um, so that is so how can they
1: participate? It's... What's that? Yeah, how can they participate? How can how they can uh, can volunteer?
0: Oh, the volunteer. Yes, thank you. Um, if you're interested in volunteering with our group and being involved and we have people here work locally in the Washington, D.C. area as well as people mm-hmm. that work at the studio. The people that want to um, come on board, they just reach out to our website and, and um, I'm John Broughton, Holly Bednar is our, is our point person for volunteers, so.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, John, it was fantastic. Uh, definitely have you on again. Hopefully, uh, Paul and some other cast members will join us. Uh, I thought it was a yeah, uh, fun yeah, interview, um, very informative.
0: And thank you so much for having us, um, William. We appreciate the press. We're proud. Um, we're based here locally in the Washington, D.C. area, and um, we're doing our part to keep Trek going. And we do film here locally as well, um, just the sets. You know, the interior shots of the series have to take place, you know, on board our sets in Georgia. But we do a lot of exterior filming. We have in the past. We filmed here locally. Um, and we also had people that, you know, people that want to be involved and want to be filmed here locally. That's an option as well. So we're very, we're very volunteer friendly with people. And we appreciate and all the contributions of people supporting our project.
1: Okay, John. Well, we're down to about the uh, thirty seconds. So, uh, thanks again, man, and uh, long live and prosper.
0: Right, right on, and keep trucking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a great day, man. Thanks a lot, right, so right, William.
0: Appreciate it. All right, bye. Hey.
1: Okay, okay bye bye. And my dear listeners, let me leave you this quote from William Shatner. You and I and everybody in show business and the entertainment industry fly by the seat of our pants. We don't quite know what's going to happen today.